Welcome to Did You Check the Lore, a supernatural TV show podcast. That song you just heard is Intermunde by Caron. The intermission transition music you heard last week is Intermission by Thomas Fatzwaller, but is better known for its use in Monty Python and the Holy Grail. The outro piece is De Tranquillitate Anime by Caron, and in the previous episode we also used a musical feature during All This Shit is Weird, where we probably illegally used the theme song to Teen Girl Squad from Homestar Runner's Strong Bad Emails. Intermission is not copyrighted, but the tracks by Caron are available on the Free Music Archive. I'm one of your hosts, Gina. And I'm your other host, Jessica. So I don't have any housekeeping from Dean's episode. At least not that I can recall because... I don't fucking remember. I it's like a month actually ago. didn't even re-listen re- to it. <laughs> like after I... I did, but I just don't... Oh, okay, don't good. Well, then that means there aren't... There's no housekeeping. Fuck it. <laughs> because... It's over! It's over! As we said in our last episode... Yeah, that's it. We're done after this. We're so over this, honestly. What? Say that one more time because robot voice. Yeah, so we got some janky ass internet issues today. Yeah, I don't know what's going on. I'm pissed. Um, so maybe Gina and I will be um asking each other to repeat things. <laughs> I don't know if we can Yeah. And I'll do my edit best that shit out. Yes, I will do my best to edit it out. Or maybe I'll leave it in. Who cares? It's kind of my, my attitude just, right now. <laughs> We're so at this point of like, fuck it. I'm <laughs> defeated, honestly. I Me too. That's how I feel this, about this. It's not because of the podcast in and of itself. No. So my semester hasn't even started yet. Like it doesn't start till Wednesday, technically. And I've already gotten emails from all three of my professors that I have homework that is expected to be done by the first day of class. So, two days so fucking stupid so i'm just like i'm just gonna live in denial yeah that sounds like a good idea yeah coping Co- shitty coping mechanism okay so this is why uh, we're not doing this anymore. yeah we're too busy okay so this episode much like the previous uh episode is going to focus on sam winchester's character development and his arc through season two. Um, we're going to hit on his themes and then some generic themes of the season. Other than that, this is going to be pretty heavily focused on Sam with bits of Dean and a little bit of John even scattered in here and there. And then that will wrap up season two as well as the podcast as a whole. We're done after this. Denzel Washington. <laughs> So without any further delay, here is an entire episode dedicated to Sam Winchester. Okay, so we start with Sam at the beginning of season two in a very um, frustrated place. For a minute there, as he was driving the Impala with his dad next to him and his brother in the back seat, 
everything seemed pretty fucking great. Like, they had the cult. They had a lead on Yellow Eyes. Shit, he might even go back to Stanford after this. And then they get T-boned by a demon-possessed semi-truck driver. And that's about when everything goes to shit. Yeah, so... Sam then has to deal with the traumatic experience of nearly losing Dean, only for him to survive at the expense of John. There are a lot of themes that start here with the start of season two. Loss, grieving, duty, responsibility to family, trust, sacrifice, and the ultimate death. There's even a little bit of faith in mythology here with Reapers, Limbo, the afterlife, and Ouija boards. There are like tons of themes that build Sam's character and most importantly the one that the entire show is based on uh arguably his major theme of season two is his internal struggle between light and dark uh like good versus evil right that's and that's like the backbone of the of the theme of the show um and they learn over the course of the season what was done to him and then Sam has to come to terms with that there's a little dark streak in him And we see that manifest in various ways outwardly. He grieves for John openly and painfully. He even admits he isn't handling it well, that just pouring his emotions onto Dean isn't helping. But it seems it's the only way he can cope. When Dean finally opens up, Sam has nothing to say. Again, we see the theme of light and dark, or rather opposites, at play here. Right. And... He kind of becomes this poster boy for not everything has to be black and white. Um, In a show all about good versus evil and light versus dark, Sam is the epitome of the gray between those two dichotomies. Um, And it it comes up in episode three when he argues with Dean about rage killing everything, like the vampires that haven't even hurt anyone. They've only eaten cows at this point. At the time, Dean waves him off, but eventually does listen to him. Despite connecting very well with Gordon Walker... Dean still remains solidly, solidly in Sam's court. While Sam has been nagging on him about John's death as well as Mary's, Dean still manages to stand by him when an outsider threatens. Yeah, and where Dean's themes of family, duty, responsibility, and guilt shine by the end of episode four, Sam's themes of death, sacrifice, grief, and re- redemption and faith come to the surface. He's not just the vehicle for delivery of this story of good versus evil. He represents everything in between. And Dean has to navigate it. So it's almost as if Sam is the thing that's actually happening on the screen and Dean is kind of like the audience. He's like a surrogate for for us watching the the Mm -hmm. show. We touched on this in the previous episode too. Eventually when demon deals come up after the two of them have finally a bit briefly opened up about John's deal to save Dean's life, Sam confronts Dean for judging the man who made a deal to save his wife from cancer. Yeah, there's loads of hypocrisy that Sam is dealing with this season. Um, Not just internally, like, how Dean treats him, but how Dean approaches the world, too. Each episode builds on that, weighing on him further and further, his fears of going dark side growing, Um, And the problem is that Dean doesn't seem to understand, or he does and doesn't want to talk about it. Sam hesitates to shoot people when he doesn't have the whole story, and he refuses to kill innocent people because they might go dark side just like him, but Dean doesn't see things that way. Yeah, the only person that Dean can view in that vacuum is Sam. Um, So Sam has to put up with Dean's black and white worldview while being a walking manifestation that flies in the face of that worldview. Thinking about how much that would... uh, 
isolate and ostracize the feeling of a sibling from the person that is most important to them that doesn't make it any easier for Sam that he's this ex- this grand exception to mm-hmm. Dean's rules. Um, he's turning into the very thing that Dean despises. Their dynamic was finally settling, finally evening out an almost even keel until John, the id of the three men, with Sam and Dean waffling between ego and superego, dropped the bombshell of Sam's potential to go rogue on Dean right before John died. Right, and with John dead, Sam has no one to talk to about it. Yeah, sure, Dean knows, but he's still not being entirely open about things, especially early in the season. And Sam rightfully gets upset about all the secrets, but nothing much comes of it. Until mid-season, we get a shift in tone. There are more Monsters of the uh, Monsters of the Week episodes that help broaden Sam and Dean's characters, especially in episodes like Playthings, Night Stalker, and Houses of the Holy. Um, Sam's hero complex starts to come out a little bit in these episodes. Um, we also learn that he believes very much in God and angels and prays daily. Which throws Dean for a beat, but when Sam points out that all this other crazy sh- shit exists... Why not angels, one of the few good creatures to possibly come out of the supernatural? Sam's optimism and hope really keep things afloat mid-season. He's still out to save everyone. He's still working hard through multiple setbacks. And then the worst setback of all doesn't even come in the form of a setback for them and their hunt for yellow eyes. Heart gives us all of Sam's heart. He has a thing for women that come on to him first. I cannot think of a single time he has made the first move. The first flirtatious comment, the first anything, Dean openly hits on people without much reservation if he is interested. But as of season two, we've seen Sam flirt, but in the way intellectuals flirt, or nerds for a lack of a better term. It's not Dean using a pickup line on a woman in a bar or, di- or a diner. It's a battle of wits like with Sarah Blake from season one, or a too long stare caught out of the corner of her eye, or straight up challenge. <laughs> Like with Madison, dumping freshly laundered underwear onto the kitchen table for her to fold. But while Sam can be a little awkward in those situations, he is far from dumb. He picks up on all of it immediately, understands signals, understands body language. He wouldn't look at Madison like that, with his head tilted like that after they watched the soap opera together. And for once, sort of like with Sarah, Sam lets go and gives him to what he wants. And yeah, Sam's not usually the one to like mix work and play like Dean does. For Sam, that's a, that's a black and white part of him, right? But here, things are incredibly gray and it's an analogy. Madison is Sam. Madison is the darkest form of Sam. The furthest on the dark side scale Sam could tip to if he were to somehow lose control. And so Sam works tirelessly to maintain control. In hindsight, this is even more fascinating. The foreshadowing is intense through season two. Riku, I mean... Sam's descent into darkness. <laughs> I hate you. I had to do it. I know. Darkness. Imprisoning me. me. Oh. <laughs> okay. Oh, crap. Now we're going to get sued. <laughs> I think we'll be okay. <laughs> Fucking Metallica. That's funny. Okay. Sam's descent into darkness. Not Riku from Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> Not Riku. Is reflected back at him in the cases they take, like so many mirrors, like Dean was reflected upon a ton in season one. We're seeing loads more of that for Sam in season two. Knowing how it all plays out, we see Sam's reluctant hero archetype take shape and solidify in this season. Yeah, and it's it's brilliant. Sam is like a, almost like a paranormal version of Luke Skywalker. 
And while Star Wars is way more black and white than Supernatural, the two characters are very sim- have very similar journeys. So if Sam is Luke Skywalker, does that make Dean Princess Leia? I think so. I know <laughs> I know Kripke has a different opinion, but unfortunately, I think that actually does make Dean uh, Leia Organa. And I think if that makes Dean Leia... Well, and then my argument would be is because they're constantly saving each other, right? And they mm-hmm. do, like, throughout the trilogy, Luke and Leia save each other all the time. But then that, I would contend that Cass is Han Solo. <laughs> a really, really awkward Han Solo. I, <laughs> I wish I could add to it, but I um, missed the Star Wars boat. So I don't get any of this. Would you say that you don't understand that reference? <laughs> Can we just insert a clip of me just saying that, please? <laughs> I don't understand that reference. <laughs> That's actually pretty good. That was good. I liked it. Anyways. Okay. So back on topic. <laughs> Luke. Uh, not Luke. Sorry. Sam. Sam physically represents the good and bad in all of humanity. And then it doesn't really come into focus until seasons three and four. And so that's why we say in hindsight, it's interesting to see this um, developing, knowing what is going to happen, then it's inevitable. And that's ineffable. Just- ineffable even and <laughs> but it kind of it actually kind of isn't an ineffable plan when you think of it uh, okay and it's it, that it gets pretty stark when we see him start drinking demon blood to maximize his powers um uh, we don't get as much of it in season two but those finer notes of this motif do exist in this season they're, they're like the groundwork is being laid here yeah so these themes get it, themes, motifs, mm-hmm. are constantly evolving all season. By the end, in A Hall Breaks Loose Parts 1 and 2, we don't have much more development going on. The plot is really just churning through all of the characters. And while we see a lot of Sam's resourcefulness and his really messed up situation, we do, however, get one last bit of Sam knows more than Dean's telling him vibes when Sam comes back from the dead and Dean lies. Yeah, Sam has a pretty keen eye for lies. And I think that's because he's quite the liar himself. Uh, and while he's typically honest about his feelings, when Sam and Dean don't see eye to eye on something, and it's clear that it's not going to change to Sam, like when, when Dean's pretty set in his ways, Sam will go behind Dean's back and do whatever he thinks is, or whatever he thinks they should do the way he wants to be do it. Like he, whatever Sam thinks is right, and if Dean's not budging, Sam's going to go do it, right? Yeah, but thank God that shit stops eventually. Uh, yeah, like 11 seasons later, fuck. Yeah, they had some growing to do, but eventually it does stop. Uh, It is one of the reasons why I enjoy the later seasons, because this foundation that's been laid for us in these earlier seasons means something. It's not pointless. Right. Because if these guys never grow and learn from their mistakes, then what the fuck is the point of storytelling? Right. No, there is none. If they keep... There's regression, and then there's just shitty writing, right? Right. Yeah. So if there's not like, and just with real life, you take five steps forward, you take two steps back. Right. And it's normal. But it has to make sense and be believably human. Right. Not it's- just flying in the face of, yeah, well, you know what? I've lied to you 17,000 times before. I'm going to do it again. It sounds like a great idea, guys. Yeah. Or... What show are you referencing? Are you referencing something that I'm no? Not I'm just in? like this oh. show in general. Like, oh. we're, we're down the <laughs> yeah. we're down the road in season twelve. Sam works with the British Men of Letters. Like, 
why? And I get why because and like I like I can forgive that because he was only working directly with Mick, and I liked Mick. I thought he was a good uh, polarizing character. I thought he was um he was interesting because he he liked and this kind of echoes why I don't I never found it problematic that Mary went and worked with them because they had a really good system. It was just unfortunately corrupted. They had a corrupt leader. Mm-hmm. Um, I still think the the system in and of itself of efficiently um, eradicating monsters was pretty legit. They used a lot of technology and a lot of cool shit to, to get the job done. The only problem was that they decided that it'd be better off to kill American hunters for some reason. I don't understand that at all. And Mick found that was very conflicted by that. So that's why I like Mick. And that's why I don't really have a problem with Sam working with him. Yeah, but the corruption, um, not only was it within their leadership, but also Catch. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he was a dick, and then not a dick, and then sort of a dick, and then maybe not a dick again. I don't know. I His character his character seems fairly inconsistent, but, I, but David Hayden Jones is a mensch, and I love him, and I love Adam Fergus. They're both amazing people. <laughs> they are. Enough of the tangent, though. Sorry. Um, okay, yeah. Liars. Uh, Sam <laughs> Sam lies on par with Dean. Um, and I think it takes a, a good liar to be able to sniff one out. And so when Dean tries to cover up what happened to Sam and how Dean brought him back, he's able to... He, he He's on that right away. Mm-hmm. So they're equally pretty critical of each other about this. Mm-hmm. Um, neither of them does much about it though um it's one of the very few aspects of this show that does bother us like before um just getting into the fact that the story has to show that growth it has to mean something there has to Mm -hmm. be a reason why we started out in one place to get to the other place right um it's poor writing and it's poor character development in season two it's not as bad because the show is new but by season nine why the fuck are we still here? That's yeah, kind of that, the feeling. Yeah, and that's why I'm not crazy about some of the later seasons of... And it's just... The the two are so antagonistic towards each other that I just... There's brotherly antagonism or, like, sibling antagonism, but then there's, like, really insane character antagonism that I don't think... Um, was very interesting honestly it wasn't interesting to watch like it was just hard to watch it was drama for the sake of drama and it i mean you could even sit here and argue oh well you know they came from a really toxic dysfunctional codependent background so that's all they knew bullshit sam is a fucking genius with access to the internet he could grow from all of that yeah, for sure. It could be unlearned if if they made an effort. And I think they he did. I think of all the characters, uh Sam definitely made an uh, um an effort. Uh, probably the best he could have by about mm-hmm. by getting out and and I'm not, I'm not talking about getting out of the family business. I'm talking about getting out of a toxic environment. Mm-hmm. Um an unhealthy environment, if you will, that's not good for one's emotional uh development or mental development. Um, especially at crucial teenage years, like the the mid to late teens, mm-hmm. right? So all that being said, in season two, 
this behavior is understandable entirely. Like it makes sense. It fits their characters. It it's it makes sense given the situation. It's early yet. Right. But all that aside, in conclusion, Sam is Luke Skywalker, Dean's Princess Leia, and Cass is Han Solo. <laughs> yes. Um that was the correct conclusion to come to. Okay. Um time for my favorite part. All this shit is weird. I don't know how much you have for all this shit is weird, but I have a bunch of stuff because I see that you. you I I just picked out everything I could think of too, and was like looking at all of the uh, notes, the stupid notes I took while I was writing about Sam Mm -hmm. um, during the rewatch. So, some things about Sam, especially this season, that makes me laugh. Sam hates clowns. And that is a persistent thing that never gets better. No, it doesn't. It's <laughs> In fact, it, prob- it probably it goes on. It probably gets worse, honestly. He's, yeah. He's so traumatized. Especially after... I think that's honestly, like, it's actually a pretty cool indicator for when Sam was born. Wasn't it like, a huge thing? It, it era, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm not I'm a when little bit younger origi- than Sam, so. When did the original it come out? Original, because I wasn't I I was probably too too young too. Oh wait, no, I was actually not too young. Oh wait, no, that was a TV show. I want the, the original movie. Is that really? 1990? Is that when that came out? Really? No. When does it? When did the TV no. show come out? I, I think maybe the sh- the TV show came out in 1990. Maybe the movie was 86. Regardless, I yeah. was not born until 91. So. 1980, 1986, I was born. <laughs> so Sam's um, birthday is 1983. 83. So, so yeah, that makes sense. That like I don't know. He probably saw like fucking dean watching it on tv because dean's an yeah. asshole yeah it was probably yeah yeah anyway. and dean probably thought it was funny yeah oh yeah probably other random little fun facts about sam um by episode three he has parted his hair in the middle and he doesn't have bangs anymore the evolution of sam hair Mm-hmm. and then in that same episode uh jared broke his wrist trying to do his own fight scene don't do your own fight scenes it was when the vampires tried to jump him in the motel room, I think. And there's a part where, like, one of the guys tries to, tries to hit him with the base of that big receiver, the phone, the the receiver of the phone, the base, like a big old um, house with, phone, m- like motel room phone with a big base. Yeah, he's got it. Picked it up and was like trying to smash Sam's head in, and. So Jared turns around and then falls, and he tried to catch himself and broke his wrist by f- when he fell. Like, he said it kind of crumpled. I don't know. He's told that story a couple times at conventions. You know what? It's not just doing his own stunts. Later on, he ends up in a sling again, not because he was trying oh, yeah. to do his own stunts, but because he decided to get in a wrestling, wrestling match, match with, with a five, and with a person that's like five foot three. Yeah, like, what the fuck? Anyway, like how do you, how do you hurt yourself? And he hurt himself. Like yeah. of the two. Yeah. Anyways, D- dork. 
then we this is something that we've mentioned before with um them getting really lucky and just f finding shit so fast um look scoobs it's a clue yeah exactly sam conveniently finds the dumbest shit this season um least of which was the dana shulps thing written into uh, the glass of the desk like give me a fucking break it's just like a little it's campy just, yeah it's so far so it's almost it almost it, it screws with my ability to suspend my disbelief right right Along the same lines with Dean, like, coming up with shit and figuring shit out. Uh, he even gives Dean a run for his money where he makes a pop culture reference and calls Dean Matlock. <laughs> and I think Sam makes a couple of other pop culture references. I think the other one is where Dean's insistent that in children shouldn't play with dead things. I'm looking. Um, that Dean's like, it's a zombie! And... Uh, Sam's like, you've been watching too many Romero flicks. Oh, yeah. They even used detectives Dante and Landis at one point. Where they're, and that's re in reference to the directors, Joe Dante, who directed The Howling, and John Landis, one of my favorite directors ever. Um, that sounds familiar. He directed Blues Brothers. I figured. <laughs> and a couple other really, really good movies. Um uh, I'm an American werewolf in London. Yeah. So, pop culture references are still abound. We were going to do a whole episode on them, but we didn't think that it was worth it to do, like... Well, that was when we were going to do an episode just on themes, right? Right. And pop culture was going to be in that in that episode. I but... would have been exhausted if we wanted to co cover every single pop culture reference. Would have been oh, insane. God. That would have taken me forever to write them all down. I mean, because I didn't get all of them. Has them. Yeah, I just, but to actually know them, to understand them all, and yeah, I mean, episode eighteen alone. Oh yeah, <laughs> Hollywood Babylon would have been just reference after reference after reference. It would have been so tongue in cheek. Mm -hmm. Anyway, uh, more fun facts about Sam. I love this little. I guess this is kind. Of, to me, this is kind of a mix up. I honestly think Sam should still have the burn, unless, like, up until they meet Cass, right? Or maybe up until he comes back from uh, the cage. Sam Sam doesn't have the burn mark on his arm anymore after Born Under a Bad Sign, because, you know, Meg possesses him, right? And she she manages to lock, him, lock herself in his body, mm -hmm. and then Bobby burns him with the little Q-shaped... Uh, Iron poker, mm -hmm. whatever the brand, to to re and that forces demons to reject out of a, a human vessel, and mm. so Sam had this burnt giant fucking thing on his forearm and his inner forearm. Oh, and the yeah. next the next episode is gone, like just maybe gone. part of his <laughs> special child abilities was super. Hey, healing. I I'll take it. Because he was immune to it, and a hugely, like, insane virus, too. So, fair um, enough. I like that argument. I, I also... <laughs> this is not... So, the next this the next one is not a fun fact about <laughs> Sam Winchester. This is a who the fuck uh, writes this... This is, this is men writing women, okay? Who the fuck folds their underwear? I don't know a single woman that folds her underwear. Yeah. Does, um, Jimmy, does Jimmy fold his underwear? Jimmy folds his underwear. <laughs> Luke does not. 
So I don't know what it is, but he'll fold them in half and then he rolls them up and they just fit nicer in his dress. That's fair. You can't do that to women's underwear unless you're no. wearing boy shorts. Like, duh. Um, there's just no point. There's nothing to fold. No. There's not enough to fold. <laughs> I mean, maybe maybe you could, like, if they were briefs or, like, bikini style, you could fold them in half, maybe, and then, like, stack them on top of each other. But even that just feels... She had a bunch of thongs. Yeah. Like, for fuck's sake. There's nothing to fold. No. And I really wish... If they were going to write that scene that way, like, if they... And, like, trying to make her weird Sam out. Sam's not an idiot. He's had a girlfriend, like... A live-in girlfriend on top of it. A live-in girlfriend on top of it. And I get that Madison's, like, a stranger, and she's kind of come on to him a little bit before this. But I really wish he would have just called her bluff. And maybe, like, just done something stupid, like picked a pair up and examined them and maybe put them back down and been like, hmm, and walked away. Or, I don't know, put a pair on his head just to be an asshole. Or started folding them with her. Like, oh, I don't know. Huh. I Or I would have been like, so you always uh, fold your underwear in the living room? Yeah, you always just dump, like, all your, dump all your fucking underwear out on your fucking kitchen table where you eat. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> like, what the shit, lady? I really wish he would have said something, but just, Sam's not like no. that confrontational. No, he's not. <laughs> Um, not yet anyways. No, no. Okay, moving on. That was, that was what I had to rant about. I'm pretty sure Jared had a cold when they were filming Roadkill, because he sounded all sorts of congested. I don't know. And same episode. He was digging a a grave. Right? So, I saw this post just today on Facebook. Um, Okay. It was, like, in one of those question forums. Like, I don't Mm -hmm. know if it was, like, Yahoo Answers or... Oh, yeah, yeah. Something like that. Um, How much time needs to pass before grave robbing becomes archaeology? Funny. If I pull a gold bracelet out of a pyramid, I've made an archaeological find. (laughs) If I pull one out of a graveyard, I'm a dick. What's the rating period for looting the dead? Um, if, (laughs) If it's a grave, that means... It's usually a Christian burial site, so you can't rob those because because racism. <laughs> but you can rob Egyptian tombs because fuck brown people. I don't like, know about that. I, I like the answer that I'm, the person put on there. What was the answer? <laughs> they they said, as an archaeologist, this is an uncomfortable question, but about 50 years. <laughs> so That's funny. I wonder if there's any truth to that, because if so, then... I don't know. They didn't. They haven't done that much grave digging. And when you think about it, they haven't done much grave robbing. All they do is or open the casket. Yeah. They don't usually ever take anything. They just usually torch the suckers and bury them again. Like, don't they just put the dirt back? I'm, mm-hmm. I'm assuming they just put the dirt back. Usually, yeah. Anyway, um, I still contend that Sam is an expert grave digger because it looked like he dug that shit with the backhoe in that episode because in in roadkill they have to bury they find her body yeah finally and they bury it yeah sam complains about dean always getting to hang out with the pretty girls oh yeah yeah and this actually this goes back to heart um right yeah sam and dean sam complains about dean always getting to hang out with the pretty girls and yeah even even though you think of back to like uh season one and sam hung out with um uh, in Hookman, the preacher's daughter. Anyway, um, he also hung out with uh, 
Is that like, in the water chick? Oh, yeah, and... Lucas's mom. Lucas's mom. His name, I don't remember. I don't either. He's the one that pulled her out of the tub naked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Sam, come on. Sam, Sam, quit complaining. And then he Rochambeau's him anyway for it. Wins, and then just behaves all too awkwardly around uh, Madison until they finally do it. Make friends. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Make the sex. Uh, and then when he had to, when he killed Madison too, he had to like, Jared had to think of his dog dying. I think is what the story is to get those huh. to get those tears moving. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, um, I think it was one of his. He his dog had just recently passed. I think. Oh, was what it was. Okay. Yeah. I'm gonna go back through the Sam episodes and see what I what else I've got because there's some. There's got to be some other things. Oh, when Jared broke his wrist. He didn't get a cast on it until episode five because they couldn't get him to a doctor. Like, they couldn't get him into a doctor quickly enough. Like, or there just was no doctor available to put a cast on it. And oh, wait, it was also their filming schedule, too. Like, I think that the only time that they could find to get him in mm-hmm. and then fit with their recording or their filming schedule, um, he it was in between recording four and five. So he didn't end up having a cast until... Um, Playthings? Right? I don't know. Because he had it in play, Playthings. That's the one with the... Children should have played with that things? Or is, is it Playthings? Sh- children should... The one in the hotel. The old mansion. The B&B. Or whatever it is. With the it's... voodoo? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's Playthings. He didn't have it in Playthings. I'm confused. I don't know. Because didn't he have the cast? I thought he had the cast. Whatever. I don't care. He didn't have the cast right away. <laughs> he didn't point. have it right away. It took them a minute. Well, and then they, they lampshade it, too. They make it kind of, uh, they kind of give him an in-show in reason for having a cast. Because in season four, children shouldn't play with dead things. He he says, man, I think that girl broke my arm or something, like, at the end of the episode after he's been digging. And, yeah, I and remember that. And he, uh... He's holding the shovel with his left hand and, uh, or something like that. He's, he, he reaches for his right hand because it was his right hand he broke, or his wrist. That's, he, that's children shouldn't play with dead things. That's when he said that. Yeah. But he broke his wrist in episode three and it doesn't show up until episode five, which is Simon said. But oh. he, I thought he had the cast in Playthings. I don't know. I could have sworn he still had the cast in Playthings. Anyway, whatever. You want to hear a funny joke? No. Yes. Okay. Um, I Google has been listening to me talk about Sam Winchester for about 30 minutes now. <laughs> so it uh, gave me an article, Supernatural, 10 Hysterical Sam Winchester Logic Memes That Only True Fans Will Understand. Ooh. Of course, it's from Screen Rant. Fuck. I shouldn't say that very loudly. Anyway, yes. <laughs> I mean, it's memes, so unfortunately I cannot... uh, Show them to you? Show them. You're just going to have to use your imagination. But we've Uh all seen the the Gordon Ramsay meme of him yelling at one of the chefs on, like, Master Chef or whatever. And it says, This food is so burned, Sam Winchester thought it was his (laughs) girlfriend. (laughs) I've seen that one. That's so bad. Um, That one makes me sad. Oh. If there's any others. 
another little fun random fact while you're looking up funny memes about Sam. Um, Jared, not Jared, Sam, likes to turn his chairs around and send them backwards. Oh, yeah. And he does that in The Usual Suspects, and I think that was a little bit of Jared's... That was a little bit of Jared coming out of Sam as opposed to Sam-ness. Um, beep, beep, beep. Apparently, Supernatural's getting an official cookbook. It's Misha Collins. Is it, isn't it? it Misha's book? No. Oh. Like, it's an official, like, Supernatural cookbook. What the fuck is in it? Pig and <laughs> a poke. Burnt corpses? Like... What? Pig and a poke. A, a pig and a poke. Okay, fine. Uh, is Winchester special in it? Or Winchester... Is it Winchester Surprise or Winchester Special? I thought it was Winchester Surprise. Oh, it's Winchester Surprise. Yeah. I don't know. Which um, sounded... And then Sam Smith posts it on Twitter, like, what it actually consists of, and I was like, oh! Yeah. <laughs> uh, recently, a fan on Reddit spotted a book listing for official Supernatural cookbook penned by Julie Tremaine and Jessica Torres. This collectible will let Supernatural diehard fans enjoy the very food the Winchester bros eat on the daily. Whether you are and a seasoned then- chef beginner cook or diner food enthusiast like the winchester brothers supernatural the official cookbook brings a variety of both savory and sweet recipes from the show to life why when they aren't keeping humanity safe from all kinds of otherworldly threats dean and sam often take time to eat and devise their next steps for hunting monsters at small town diners this complete culinary guide features some of the brothers favorite dishes such as dean's pig in a poke sam salads and of course pie Hmm. So, um, apparently it looks like it'll be set for retail about 30 bucks. Cool. <laughs> I'm not going to buy it. Fun fact. <laughs> I'm plugging this person's book. Yeah. <laughs> You're welcome. A Sam likes salads. That's apparently all he eats. You, a, a six foot four lean, muscly man can sustain purely yes. on cucumber salads. water and salads. <laughs> cucumber water. What is wrong with you? <laughs> That's ridiculous. Yeah, it's dumb. So, um, I guess the last really funny one, because there isn't much, like, once you get into the serious episodes, once you get into, like, 20, 21, and 22. 20 we don't really talk about because Sam's just, like, hardly in it. Actual Sam. Real not, Sam. Not estranged, uh, gin-created Sam. Gin-dream gin Sam, Yeah. What, and then twenty and twenty or twenty one and twenty two is really just plot, man. Like there's not a whole lot of character development going on, which makes sense at the end of a season. Like that's that's the the apex of your plot, right? But the last episode that really has like a funny kind of shtick in it in Hollywood Babylon, I loved the beginning, the Stars Hollow reference, <laughs> and like they're on the tram taking the tour, and the lady is like, and here we have the set for Stars Hollow, the fictional town where Gilmore Girls takes place. If we keep an eye out, we might see one of the stars of the show. And she's like all excited about it, and Sam does like a shifty eyes thing, like oh fuck, what no let in bolts. <laughs> it's probably one of my favorite fourth, uh, not I, it's not quite fourth wall breaking, but it's definitely like. I mean, the show does a little bit to do it, like, if you know, but, like, it's not, like, there's way later on where Dean definitely breaks the fourth wall. Um, I think it's in fan fiction, and he, like, looks directly into the camera. Really? But this isn't quite that. He looks, no. No, that might be changing channels. I can see in changing channels where they would have, like, looked right into the camera. 
It's not a tulpa. That's my that's that's the only thing I remember from that episode from fan. Well, I mean, like obviously, I remember all of the fan fiction references uh, about that episode. But my favorite line in that whole episode is, "It's not a tulpa." <laughs> Because I remember watching it for the first time and Sam saying, hey, it's not a tulpa. And Dean goes, say that one more time. <laughs> say it, come again. Mm-hmm. Like, And then Sam goes, it's not a tulpa. <laughs> and, and Dean goes, one more minute. And he makes him say it again. And Sam goes, it's not a tulpa. He, gets, he starts getting really angry about it. And then Dean goes, it's not a tulpa. <laughs> and I had said it. I remember watching it and then saying that same thing out loud. And... Then Dean following it up, I felt I felt vindicated. Um, vindication, I, <laughs> vindication. Um, yes, I felt very validated that I thought of the same line. No, it's stupid. Anyway. So, I don't know. Um, we're not going to probably do this again because this is obnoxious. I don't know what we'll do. I want to. But I really do just like shooting this shit. I, yeah, I would but really I like to just. But I kind of feel like I don't have that enough of an ego to say that people want to listen to me and you just. But we could just randomly babble about Supernatural and not like. Yeah, like Supernatural can totally work its way in. Yeah. Like a long, but and then just doing well. I and I don't know when we would do this anymore because you're going to be in school in perpetuity for the next two years. I don't. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's what we've got for Sam. Unfortunately, it's late, and we. uh, I wish we would have had more, but it was a lot of work just to get this done. (laughs) Um, We know Sam is a very multifaceted character, and he has a lot to offer. That's why so many people love him. And Unfortunately, season two is just scratching the surface. Right. That's it's we're Sam. So so much stuff is just happening to Sam, like mm-hmm. happening to Sam in season, uh, seasons one and two, and and that's almost kind of like the show. For uh, the first it, five seasons, yeah, stuff is just happening to them left, right, and center, and they can barely keep up. And I kind of like that. I think there there's two ways you can tell a story. You can write plot-driven characters where characters are constantly having to react to things happening to them and they're constantly having to like do stuff in response to things uh going down if you will the plot moves around them and then they can kind of influence it or you can write character-driven plot where the plot is completely dependent on the characters doing that stuff and moving the show forward right and i Mm -hmm. think in in certain seasons there was a lot of dependency on the characters driving the plot, and and I, I, man, I haven't rewatched six, seven, eight, maybe even nine in a really long time. So I wouldn't really be able to speak to those seasons in terms of character-driven plot or plot-driven characters. So, but in these, like in seasons one through five, which I have rewatched recently, one and two specifically, three through five within the last couple of years, and. It's very much a plot-driven character show. Um, Not to say that Dean and Sam don't, like, control their destiny. You know, team free will, right? 
but it does seem, especially in the first two seasons, that the story is happening to them and that they're having to just grasp for whatever little bits of control they can manage to latch on to, right? Mm-hmm. So that definitely limits the character development, you can see. Uh, sure, characters can grow and respond to certain situations in that setting, but not like I think characters can actually blossom in a character-driven plot environment. Does that make sense? Yes. I mean, they do have growth over these first five seasons, but it's not like later seasons, I think, mm-hmm. where, where they're where they're primarily driving the story as opposed to the story driving them. Right. I think when you look at it, you mentioned earlier that it's like there's so much happening to them in the earlier mm-hmm. seasons that they can barely keep up. Just as much as, you know, I think normal human growth, not character growth, requires mm-hmm. an engagement and activeness that I have to sit here and think, how do I want to improve myself? What things can I do better? What am I not so great at? Mm-hmm. There's an involvement that's required. Right. Whereas if you can't even catch your fucking breath because the world is ending, mm-hmm. you're probably not really caring if you're a codependent piece of shit. Right. You're just trying to survive. Like physically yeah. not die. Yeah. Because there are so, things threatening you. Yeah. Well, that can be incredibly entertaining mm-hmm. on a TV show. It can get stale very quickly. Right. Yeah. So, and it's good that they did it, switch gears to have that. And well, it's a little bit more, it can appear a little bit more drama. Right. But it is a drama. It's it, a sci-fi drama. Yeah. That, I know, I know that, it's not classified become, that way, but that's what yeah. I think of it as. That can become, that's where the, the focus then shifts to. It's a lot less of the action and the, holy crap, I didn't see that coming. And, oh my God, are you serious? This is the apocalypse and what have you. It's a lot more about like, holy crap, I didn't see Dean making that decision or wow, Sam three seasons ago wouldn't have done that. Right. Yeah. It's more about your journey with the characters and uh, this just got really fucking bittersweet because now that journey is coming to an end. Yeah, and I'm really fascinated with where they're going to take it. I can't, oh my god. Season 15 starts in just over a month. Yeah. Holy shit. So just in time, guys, by the time Gina edits the fuck out of this or <laughs> says fuck it and just gives up on everything Here. entirely. Here's the whole episode, all one hour and 15 minutes, just unedited. Deal no, with it. No edits. I try to get the the transition music in there approximate. No guarantees. Um, we, we, we sang it. That by, yeah, by the time everybody's probably listening to this, it will only be a few weeks out from season 15 starting yeah. so hopefully this got this provided you guys with some fun during the off season yeah and you know maybe we'll pick up something similar in the future i don't know or if we'll just do some <laughs> podcast where we ramble and occasionally talk about supernatural kind of like what kim and brianna are doing with their wayward podcast which yeah I have not been listening to enough of, but when I do listen to it, it's wonderful. I recently took a break from listening to a um, political, not political, but a politics podcast and binged where I left off um, the Wayward podcast and caught up. And it was some of the most, some of the best 
self-care I could have done at that time, um, given what was like going on at the time with certain family members in my life and I needed a break (laughs) and their podcast was like just a metric shit ton of self-care and it was so good (laughs) and I need to do that more often. (laughs) So listen, yes, listen to Kim and Brianna's podcast. It's so good. And then maybe we can continue the wayward movement with them in the future. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be awesome. That's it, guys. Yeah, that's all we've got. So thanks for listening, and we hope you have um, a good season 15. Yeah, and thank you for all of your support and listens and likes and following Mm. the Facebook and whatnot. It's been fun. Yeah, it's been great. So with that... Carry on. Carry on. Recording. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. No! Why would I be talking to you? Anyways, <laughs> one, two, three, clap. Uh, yeah, I guess. Because, like, I don't know if that ever even actually makes works. I haven't. I've noticed that when I line that up, inevitably it, later in the episode, we're off. This doesn't matter. Who cares? Yes, one, two, three, do clap. It. No, let's or, do or, it. Okay, okay. One, <laughs> one two, two, three. three. <claps> yeah, that was way fucking off. See, for me, that sounded like it was spot on. And I said one, two, three with you. Like, as I heard you say it, I was saying one, two, three. Okay, because there was like a, I, w- I would say one, you would say one. Mm, I. I <laughs> it doesn't fucking matter. I know, that's how weird this shit is. There's a delay, and I don't know yeah. how to handle that. I don't know if that's just a generic internet delay, or if that's Discord Guess what? Doesn't matter. Tough. This is the last episode. I, I, I don't give a shit anymore. <laughs> All right. I should have stopped giving a shit a long time ago. Anyway, go ahead. I'm going to do the thing? Mm-hmm. Okay. So I realized that uh, we've been recording for 23 minutes, <laughs> and I didn't realize how short this was. And I feel like it's a disservice to Sam's character, so I'm, like, picking through the notes. Um... Maybe not. I can't think of anything else off the top of my head. Maybe we're just really efficient at it now. (laughs) Like, that's how efficient this all could have been all along. Why? We we have an emergency situation. I have to poop really bad. Okay. (laughs) I'll be right back. Oh my god, robot voice! What is going on? And fans... Just for no fucking reason. I hate this shit. No, Cortana. Fuck you. No, why are, Why is all this shit running? I hate Microsoft is what it comes down to. It is dumb. I think I've seen it before. I get them referred all the time depending on like Me what too. I've been like talking about lately. It's or, like, you want to or... know something about Avatar The Last Airbender? <laughs> yeah. Only top fans will know this one. It's right, like, exactly. You. Yeah, I hate those. Those are awful. I just realized we forgot to write the outro.
Like, so this, docu- this document. Guess what? <laughs> uh, here, here, I wrote the outro. You ready? Yeah.